Welcome to Scandal.K12.us. Our Scandal K12 curriculum is a true crime comedy podcast about bamboozling boards, sneaky superintendents, lame learning products, and teachers who are way too cool for school. Listener discretion is always advised. Now sharpen those pencils since today you're going to want to take a lot of notes. Everything in life is on a standardized test and the answer is always 42. And now, time for morning announcements. Good morning, Scandal K-12 students, home of the Fighting Rats. Go Rats! Let's stand for the state anthem. Oh boy, enough of that. Thanks, Scandal K-12 Glee Club. You really outdid yourselves there. See you at yard time. Florida, home of more toll roads than anywhere else in the Union. Heat and humidity, sinkholes, invasive species like giant African land snails, 12-foot-long pythons, regular hurricanes, the highest electric bills in the country, and of course mortgage defaults, what isn't there to love? Nevertheless, almost 131 million people visit every year, while 21.48 million call Florida home. Another 1,000 each day move there to enjoy the sunshine state. Reminder, students, while we just adopted a block schedule, we're switching next week to a six-day schedule. It's like a 24-6 schedule, but now with twice the PE classes. Today, we want to take this early morning announcement to remember Mark Lua, 32, English teacher at Booker T. Washington High School in Pensacola. The teacher made an unusual request to Circuit Court Judge Thomas Danheiser, according to Pensacola Journal, number one in classified legal notices notifying the public of the Board of County Commissions of Escambia County soliciting sealed bids proposals to be received in the Office of Purchasing no later than June 30th. At his sentencing, Lua asked the court to chemically castrate him so he could stay at home and raise his daughter rather than being sent to prison. Accused and convicted of multiple sexual encounters with students, Lua was denied the old chemical snip-snip or whatever pouring bleach on testes sound like and had to report to his new home in the clink. Before he was removed, he also asked for some leniency since he suffers from neurofibromosis, a condition that causes tumors to form in the brain, spinal cord, and nerves. The prosecutor claimed, This condition did not seem to debilitate him when he was trolling the halls looking for students to have sex with. Oh my god, this might be my last day on earth. He said, perhaps considering telling his cellmate, Florida man, what he was in for, and also considering how it would go for him over the coming years. Okay, students, before rush week, bring in a box of two mil reclosable bags large enough to fit a gram of material. Drop these off in room 23 for Mr. White's class. Let's take a knee for a Florida student at Lawton Middle Academy in Lakeland, where according to CNN, home of hot silver foxes and cool graphics, it seems a substitute teacher at the school wanted everyone to participate. She may have just been trying to keep the peace in class, get through the day, and make her $96 per diem, actual salary of a substitute teacher in Florida. However, the day started off on the wrong foot. When she asked the students to recite the Pledge of Allegiance as a school group function, a black student, according to CNN, refused to participate. According to the feckless substitute, the student answered that he won't because the flag of the country is racist. He then started explaining why the national anthem was offensive to black people. This hapless substitute probably hadn't downed her extra-large Dunkin' Ice coffee, so she didn't follow the argument and certainly wasn't going to allow for an exception to such a sacred shared experience. According to the news outlet's reporter, Darren Simmons, senior writer with CNN Digital, the substitute demanded the student show Team Spirit and their conversation escalated into, we'll say, something less productive. Before you can say systemic racism, a police officer showed up to the classroom and asked the student to leave the class 
but the sixth grader refused. Now imagine that, an 11-year-old refusing to do something you tell him to do. Lakeland police said that when the student was escorted out of the classroom and to the office, and after a few less than productive interactions, he was arrested for disrupting a school function and resisting an officer. The student was then transported to the Juvenile Assessment Center, which is a program in Florida intended to divert children away from the school-to-prison pipeline. At the Pipeline Diversion Center, the student was perhaps able to contemplate the whole liberty and justice for all bit of the pledge, and it may have reaffirmed the student's suspicions that the country is racist. While none of the staff at the school faced repercussions, the uninformed substitute teacher claims she was not told that the school district's student code of conduct doesn't mandate students' participation and that it was well within the rights of the students not to participate in the recitation of the Pledge of Allegiance. The unfortunate substitute received a written statement that she may no longer make $12 an hour to babysit classes at the Lakeland School, and today is perhaps now working at the Florida-based public supermarkets, making $17.48 per hour as a forklift operator. That is, if she is forklift certified. Publix is a popular grocery in Florida with 816 locations. With 646 charter schools in Florida, chances are that every charter school is within five miles of a Publix. Due to COVID-19 and other stressors, Publix will close permanently the Chickasaw Trail Shopping Center located on South Chickasaw Trail in Orlando. Publix will attempt to relocate employees to other stores close to the location. Publix Supermarkets Incorporated is an employee-owned company. This is unlike many charter schools in Florida that close with no notice, often leaving staff and students standing bewildered in the strip mall or whatever hellscape the school is operating in, except that the staff can get back in their little cars and drive away, and the students have to remain until they're picked up. With over 20 charter school closures per year, according to the Sun-Sentinel, that's about a 1,900% difference in closures between the public supermarket, the one that stocks bad wine in aisle 3, and schools that think they can offer better solutions for educating children than the government. This means that a public certified forklift operator will be treated better than a 9-year-old. Better get forklift certified, kid. Charter schools and charter school closures in Florida are the subject of today's episode we're calling scandalk 12 dot us forward slash florida man while mosquitoes mickey mouse cocaine and eileen wornos have long been a staple of florida's rich tapestry charter schools were brought into law in 1996 and have since become a standard fixture on the landscape 1996 is also the year that brought us train spotting the film twister and the top album jagged little pill which is more than a little ironic since charters consist of elements of all the aforementioned so the 1990s were a heady time. Strangely enough, a Southerner had come north to restore our union. Clinton had come in to sweep away the trickle-down economics of Ronald Reagan and restore the nation to the safety nets and public institutions that we expected. However, Clinton's crime bill put more people in prison for longer welfare reform, known as the Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Reconciliation Act, made more hungry families and continued the poverty cycle. And back in 1996, no one knew how much trouble a presidential penis could cause the political landscape as well as the battlefield of Kosovo, if you subscribe to the conspiracy theory that our police action there was to distract from Senate hearings here. William Jefferson Clinton was a champion of the charter school movement and told the American people that charters are good for us. He wanted to see 2,000 charters by the end of his administration. 
1994, the federal charter school program was created as an amendment to the Elementary and Secondary Education Act with the purpose of the program to provide federal funding to state or local education agencies. Here's President Clinton talking about charter schools in 1999. Charter schools are innovative public schools started by educators, parents, and communities open to students of every background or ability, but they're freer of red tape and top-down management than most of our schools are. And in return for greater flexibility, charter schools must set and meet the highest standards and stay open only as long as they do. Also, charter schools don't divert taxpayer dollars from our public school system. Instead, they use those dollars to promote excellence and competition within the system, and in so doing, they spur all our public schools to improve. Now, President Slick Willie didn't start the charter school movement. He just continued a momentum that was decades in the making. The person we have to thank for charter schools is rather mysterious and an unknown character, uh, a man by the name of Professor Ray Buddy. Back in the late 1960s and early 1970s, it seemed that the nation was falling apart. The many large-scale institutions, many of which were put into place in the 1930s as part of the New Deal, were now being questioned. Late one night in his college study, at least according to educationnext.org, Professor Buddy was like, I wonder if teachers should create small schools within schools in order to teach special programs and if their actions would benefit the entire system. Professor Buddy hailed from New Hampshire, the flinty, live-free-or-die state, but he was not at all the I-summer-in-Maine sort of person, according to those who knew him. While working for the University of Amherst, he developed an idea of granting teachers a charter to operate schools outside of their districts around 1972, just in time, apparently, for the Mili Massacre, which at the time, for some reason, got the majority of attention from academics. For years, Professor Buddy's idea was nothing but a few musings on paper and perhaps one recorded lecture. However, some free market adherents heard the professor's whispered words from within his bastion of the liberal elite and now today claim him as one of their own as part of their free market eschatology. These champions of the unpublic claim, It's good to know that the charter school idea emerged from the University of Massachusetts professor of education for left liberals inclined to be suspicious of charter schools. It's worth remembering their origin story. It seems that supporters of charter schools don't use tissues or their sleeve. They use magazines, magazines, or at least educational journals. Buddy had shelved the idea long before. However, think tanks and elements of the federal government found his old spark notes and used these ideas as a schwerpunkt, a sudden solid attack on public schools, and in the early 1980s released a series of damning reports, most notably the Reagan administration's A Nation at Risk, The Imperative for Education Reform, the 1983 report that warned of a rising tide of mediocrity if we didn't improve our educational system. The interest in charter schools was getting thicker and getting harder and harder to ignore since Reagan's report. However, under Clinton, the interest in charters was rock hard. It first stood up in what we could say the cremaster of the nation, the Atoll de Nord State, Minnesota, which became the first state of the Union to enact charter school legislation when Arne Carlson wrote it into law. Now, a little aside, actually, actually it's a funny story, not exactly related to charter schools, but he, hear me out. It seems that Arnie Carlson actually lost the primary to another guy who was supposed to then run for governorship. Well, you know, what's funny is that this other guy had invited three teenage young women, friends of his stepdaughter, to go skinny dipping in the pool at home. Well, not to make it awkward, he also invited his stepdaughter. 
Well, maybe that made it a little weirder. Anyway, this whole hot tub time machine didn't set well with voters, so Arnie Carlson became the nominee without a vote and at the last minute, and then was elected governor of the state. We're not sure why steeping in a heated pool with naked teens was an issue with voters, since Naughty Stepdad and Teen Friends is the plot to 90% of Pornhub videos, but... Be that as it may, back to the story. Once Sarney had shot his wad of ink on the charter legislation, charter schools were law. The idea spread and states turned charter like falling dominoes the way southeastern Asian countries were once supposed to follow the communism. The free market and school choice offered by charter schools expanded to include vouchers, and since then and by 2015, under both Democrat and Republican leadership, 47 states have enacted charter school laws, with the holdouts being North and South Dakota, Nebraska, Montana, Kentucky, West Virginia, and Vermont. This may change quickly since things are moving towards charters in most states, no matter what happens at the federal level at this point, other than Vermont, where legislation is too bogged down, perhaps in maple syrup and quaint general stores selling Swedish fish, to move forward. At this point in their evolution, charters were not the left liberal idea of teachers doing finger paints or drum circles, which sounds mighty commie, but nonprofits and private companies that could found schools often take over space in existing public school buildings and often siphon off students from whatever district they were serving. Unlike their government-run counterparts that have to service all students within an area, charters could specialize and be more selective. Being able to select well-performing students and remove troublesome ones really helped deliver higher scores. For a time, it seemed that the charter movement was delivering on the promise of better education, and anyone who stood in the way was a conformist statist looking to expand big government, lazy teachers, frightened at the change and accountability, unimaginative academics, or all of the above. However, in a 2015 investigation by the Miami Herald, it showed that, and quote, charter schools have become a parallel school system unto themselves, a system controlled largely by for-profit management companies and private landlords, one and the same in many cases, and rife with insider deals and potential conflicts of interest. Despite these snipes by the media and other activists, charter schools continued to grow since 2015. Currently, over 635 such charters are open in Florida. However, the number may change at any moment since charters have a habit of suddenly closing, stranding students and parents, sending educators to the, I guess now, virtual unemployment line, and sticking the government, <clears throat> that's you, Florida man and Florida woman, the taxpayers, with paying to sort out the mess of re-enrolling students in local public schools, which means potentially changing bus routes, class capacity, technology licenses, covering unemployment for workers, lost productivity for parents as they scramble to reorganize their life, and a number of other hidden costs, including the sight of seeing students standing in a Florida downpour on some awful strip mall. According to CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Jackson News, now with more ninjas, reported that acclaimed academy suddenly closed. Parents described a crazy scene Thursday inside a claimed charter school where only two teachers showed up for work that day before the school permanently closed. According to Action Jackson, some parents said they learned Wednesday that the school was closing right there on Action News this morning. We can only imagine watching the news and hearing, Thanks, Brandon, for the weather. Next up, Brenda Walsh, you better pick your kid up from school right now. They're jumping on the counters and running in traffic since the school is out of business. Good night and good luck. Acclaim Academy of Jacksonville, situated between Confederate Point and Jefferson Davis Middle School, filed for bankruptcy owing $2.5 million. It seems that CEO Dennis Mope... Mope? Really? Who is he? Eeyore? Well, anyway, Mr. Mope today is president and broker of a company called SchoolsForSale.com, 
specializing in selling school property, and perhaps he also has a side hustle of selling hopes and dreams of students. Bill Orris, alleged founder of Acclaim Schools, said he was fired by Dennis and the school's operating board after 11 months for questioning expenditures. Bill, who says he has been involved in many charter schools and private schools, typically staying one or two years before moving on, according to his LinkedIn profile, said Dennis betrayed his trust and was secretive about school finances. Included in the long list of those a school owed money, there were tens of thousands in unpaid wages and $323,561 owed to NCS Pearson. Pearson? Ooh, bad. Never piss off a textbook publisher. Those people will gut you for money. Strangely enough, this also happened to the same institution, pretty much the same people, minus the founder Bill, and also in a different place, Orange County, with Dennis telling teachers who had been unpaid for about a month or so not to expect a paycheck or any severance when the school closed down. Like other charter school closures, students were just milling about in the parking lot of the former Circuit City, now former school. My wife called me saying the school put my daughter out. She's sitting on the curb waiting for me, said parent Brandon Walsh. Surprised parents had to race to pick their children up from the Orange County Charter School, according to Orange County WFTV9, first in the county with eye on the tropics. As we working parents have to take off from work, come and get our kids and find our kids standing outside? Really? Who does that? Brenda Walsh said. I feel like I've been played, that my education here was not taken seriously, exclaimed former student Nat Busigio. A new report from a Tallahassee-based research group raises questions about the growing role of charter schools in Florida, including citing the closure of 373 charter schools since 1998. Ben Wilcox, research director for the group Integrity Florida, said the closure of charter schools has averaged nearly 20 a year, and that comes with a cost to taxpayers with the aforementioned absorption by various schools as well as administrator overhead. But Dennis, with Acclaim Academy, had millions from his charter venture, and hey, that former Circuit City, now former charter school, can be sold again. If you look at many closed locations of these charter schools, new charter schools have taken their place. But this isn't a name change like when Robert E. Lee High School becomes William H. Taft School for the Incrementally Talented. This is an entirely new charter, new administrators, new staff, and in most cases, new students. These closure examples are by no means isolated incidents, but seems to be more and more commonplace not just in Florida, but throughout the nation. We are unaware of any other business that closes with such short notice and notification of staff and clients because, of course, children and family, in the case of charter schools, are clients. There are electronic souvenir luggage shops in Times Square that put up going out of business signs so long ago the signs are yellow and brittle, and your kids are not mandated to be in the store every day in the event that one of these shops does actually lock the door and pull down the storm grate for a final time. You won't have to worry in that case about your kids standing out on the sidewalk, unless you sent them there. We hope you didn't send them there. Maybe you should check on your kids. According to CapitalSoup.com, a lefty-loosey, righty-tighty political website for Florida, charter schools were originally proposed as teacher-run schools that would use innovative techniques to be shared with traditional schools. Over time, the concept changed to set up a competitive relationship between charters and traditional schools rather than a cooperative one. Sort of like the origin of Sara Lee's buttery chocolate cake was Mayan Calco Enema. I mean, chocolate is made of calco, and you do put a slice of delicious cake in you, but I think the comparison ends around there. In all, charter schools are growing in Florida, but at what cost? Financially to the taxpayers who underwrite these ventures as well as to student achievement. I wanted to go to the military. Brandon Walsh, a former student, complained of the 2015 closure of his school. I thought that the Claim Academy 
This so-called wonderful school was going to give me the opportunity, but it just failed. We really need not-fail kids like Brandon Walsh. While having options is great for parents, especially in failing school districts, there are a number of ways to become involved in your school. Public schools derive their funding from taxpayers, typically landowners and homeowners. Being active in the community in and outside of school can ensure that people you live next feel connected to their community school's ongoing mission, especially those older taxpayers who may not see the value of these often high levies that seem to keep getting only higher, and for whom translates into having a home ownership that forces them to eat cat food. We can see how that can turn just about anyone into a sovereign citizen. If you want to learn more about the highly, highly, highly polarized topic of charter schools, there's a lot of information and disinformation out there. We relied on many news sources and several reports as The Hidden Costs of Charter Schools, Choice, Privatizing Public Education of Florida, released in 2018. We used Ballotpedia.org, a nonprofit and nonpartisan online political encyclopedia that covers American federal, state, and local politics, election, and public policy and public sources. We also read and used educationnext.org, which is strongly supportive of charter schools, school vouchers, and merit pay. Special thanks to the Miami Herald for great reporting and WLRN 93.1 FM with great shows like Sundial, Tropical Currents, and 1A to keep you informed all the way from the Florida Keys to the Palm Beaches. If you are a resident of Florida and are angry that we outed your state for being the state with the second most sudden charter closures, you can crack open a beer, watch WFTV9's Eye on the Tropics report, happy to know that California is the first in the nation with the highest number of sudden charter school closures, three years in a row. And now, one final announcement. Let's hear it for literacy with our book of the month. Victoria Bryant is starting over after a rage-induced scandal and the realization that her dreamy fiancé is faker than a faux-fendi purse. She moves her psychology practice and 10-year-old daughter Rachel to Mayfair Close, an idyllic Westchester, New York suburb known for its manicured lawns and excellent school. The transition is initially seamless. Several PTA moms befriend Victoria. Her already busy practice booms and Rachel finds a group of friends. But before anyone can say, helicopter mom, in walks Lee DeVry, wealthy, glamorous, and perfectly toned. The PTA president is everything Victoria is not. You can learn more by reading the book Barbarians at the PTA by Stephanie Newman in what a three-year-old press release called Desperate Housewives Meets Mean Girls, to which we add meets You Got Mail, meets Nancy Drew, meets Goosebumps. Amazon verified purchaser Donna Martin exclaims, It was fine. And Brenda Walsh, reader of Goodreads.com, said, I did manage to finish this book without tossing it. You can get this book on Amazon, Amazon, or wherever fine books are sold, like Amazon. If you have an educational scandal about something going on in your school or district that you think needs to be shared, send it to scandalk12us at gmail.com. We can't do a bake sale, so we have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash scandal k12 us we have school choice at the scandal k12 community you can enroll at the public school level where for five dollars a month you'll receive a shout out to your home school or the school of your choice and early access to episodes you can also join at the charter school private school or home school levels and receive benefits some of which we're still building out while we primarily rely on trusted edited sources we may also use the information found on citizen journalist websites such as blogs and forums all parties are presumed innocent unless proven guilty in a court of law. All opinions are the opinion of the opinionator, and facts are reviewed, but not guaranteed because sometimes we just don't do our homework.
Thanks to all the contributors on the Freesound Project at freesound.org. Credits will be listed on our website, www.scandalk12us.com. If you like what you hear, rate us highly on whatever platform you access podcasts on, whether it's Apple or Stitcher or Spotify or is there another one? Also, please recommend us to the friends you sit with at the lunch table or the popular kids you want to impress. I'm sure a few jocks need to hear this too. Remember the saying, tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember. Screw me over and you're on scandal.k12.us. For an increasing number of families, charter schools are the right choice. In fact, there are now waiting lists at 7 out of 10 existing charter schools. As more parents realize that more innovation and creativity...